Pages of Pim Better Podcast. Greetings, Voyagers. Welcome to the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. This is episode number 99. Good Lord, we are one away from 100. I'm back in New York. Flew here from Virginia. Haven't really told a lot of people, so I'm kind of... The few friends that know I'm here are sort of passing me around and I'm sleeping couch to couch. So shout out to all you guys for uh, supporting me and, and, and putting me up while I'm sort of nomadic here. Uh, Going to hit California like I talked about. I think a little bit later, I got some cool opportunities for some cool guests here in New York, so I'm going to postpone that trip just a little bit, but I hope I'm going to get to San Diego, LA, uh, Santa Barbara, San Francisco, and then like Yosemite and Big Sur and all that stuff. So uh, excited about that. Really excited about sharing stories with you today from my guest, Umi from Umi Eats. Umi, I hope I'm pronouncing your last name like to the T here with my Indonesia, but Sham, I think is how you pronounce your last name. Don't kill me if I'm wrong. Umi came across, I think my, or I came across her Instagram account through the Queens food crew. So a lot of those people are people I've had on the podcast or I've talked about. Um, so Nigel, Dewey, uh, Greg and Jumi. I think I was checking out one of their pages and like she popped up as like a recommended, um, account or something like that. And I checked it out and she's got all sorts of really good, delicious looking food and she's from Indonesia. So any chance that I can get to nerd out uh, about Indonesian food and to talk about Indonesian culture, I'm going to take it. As you've probably been able to figure out from the multitude of Indonesian themed uh, podcasts and uh, Indonesian located guests that I've had on this podcast, I love the country. I got a lot of questions upon arriving about Indonesia too, which shows me like, I think like really outside of Bali, like most people don't know a whole lot about Indonesia. Um, does Jakarta have restaurants? Yeah, man. <laughs> like it's a major metropolis. It's got restaurants. This is not 1430. Um, so yeah, to be able to talk about a lot of the amazing food that I'm really missing and to nerd out about that was awesome. But that really isn't even what Umi does. Like it's a it's a project that she does is is have her Instagram account and sort of just documenting the places in New York City that she's eating. And she'll share with you, but she used to be a food blogger back in Jakarta. But now that she's in New York City, she works for the New York Times and she is a coder for the Times. If you go to her Instagram account Umi Eats, in her bio, there's a link to an article about the Lion Air crash back in, oh man, uh, November, I believe it was. When did I go to? October, November. And she did the coding for that article. And it's really fascinating because as you scroll down on the article, uh, the time changes. So it takes you from the moment of takeoff to the final 12th minute when the plane eventually went down. And it's like a digital animation. And it's really, I mean, it's honestly, it's like artistic. It's really kind of a beautiful display. And I was really impressed by that. So I definitely wanted to talk about her coding and her life here in the States in addition to sort of like the food blogging slash documenting that she does. And Umi was really sweet. She took me to, or I met her at um, at the Times building in Midtown and she took me down Pulitzer Hall and showed me around the building. Um, seemed like an awesome place, gave me a little bit of inspiration. So 
Um, I'm going to start checking into more stuff about their audio and their podcasts and stuff like that. If you go to the show notes for this episode, you will find a link to Umi's social media accounts and to and through those you can find her work. Um, on Twitter, she's got the end of the year recap game that the Times did that we talk about in this episode. And like I said, through her Instagram, you can find that cool Lion Air article. So make sure you check the show notes so that you can find out more about Umi and Food in New York City and about the Times. If you can and want to support the TV TV podcast monetarily, you can do so on Patreon. That is patreon.com slash the voyages of Tim Vetter. And that's a subscription-based service where you can give 50 cents, $1, $5, $5,000 a month. And that will go to keeping these stories coming, the education coming, the entertainment coming, whatever it is that you find you know, valuable from these conversations that I'm having on the podcast it'll keep those coming. If you want to support, um, but you're stretched too thin, I get it. There's a lot of things to support nowadays in addition to supporting yourself. So um, you can also support non-monetarily by subscribing, by sharing information about the podcast, and by leaving a five-star rating or review on iTunes or the podcast application that you use most often. All right, the next episode is 100. I don't think I'm going to have something super crazy for it. Maybe I'll do a recap of the six months because I've been kind of sitting on that for a little bit. Otherwise, i got a lot of really cool stuff planned for you. Um, But first, there's this conversation here with Umi. Enjoy it, folks. Yes. So I saw on your Instagram that you wrote NYC Jakarta, right? Yeah. Were you born in the States or were you born in Indonesia? I was born in Jakarta. Ah, like mm-hmm. Jakarta proper or? Proper Jakarta. Oh man, like wh- like whereabouts? Okay. I was born in uh, the central Jakarta um, in Tanah Abang. Have you been there? Um... I mean, I had to have. So I was in. Yeah. I was in Jakarta for three, about three months, and I stayed in an Airbnb. And I broke it up between places. So I was in, like, uh, Grogol, which is oh, like wow. West Jakarta. Yeah. I was in Setiabudi, uh, Samangi. Mm-hmm. Um, oh gosh, what is like the like the Bundaran Hai? Do you know like the big uh, fountain? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I, I was born near there. Oh. Okay. Central Jakarta. Okay. Uh huh. Cool. Actually, oh man, what is that one? Something Square, Menteng Square. Is that? Oh, Menteng. That's more. That's closer to the east, right? Uh yeah, but it's. I think it's still central. Okay. Because I stayed one place there, and it was like hard to get to cool stuff from there (laughs) because it was so far away. Yeah, I mean, I was. I'm like born and raised Jakarta, but then at the age of like I think four or five year old, uh, my dad took his master's degree in Washington, D.C. Oh. So I was here for like two and a half years. and then But I went back, like my whole childhood was in, um, well, actually it was in Jogja 
Oh man, I love Georgia. I, I've I've lived in Georgia for eleven years. Whoa, like, literally okay. From like um, after kindergarten, so it was like elementary school, um, mid school, and like high school. I was in Georgia. So, born in Jakarta, came here for your dad's grad school, went mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. How old were you when you came back to the states the second time? I honestly don't have any memory, but it's oh. probably like uh, like elementary school. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, I guess like on a more permanent basis, like for like to where you're at now. Oh, oh, it was just recently, like 2014. Really? It was only for grad school. Oh. Yeah. So, I mean, continuing from like high school um, and then I took uh, I t- my undergrad was in Bandung. Oh yeah, okay. Have you been? Uh, I haven't been, but okay. um, I, would be I know it. Impressed if you've been to like all the places. I've <laughs> well, has like uh, Bandung has the like the White Lake. Oh um, yeah, uh, Kawa cool Puti or something. People say it rains there all the time. Yeah, I don't know. I've never been. Oh okay. <laughs> Embarrassingly, <laughs> but yeah. And then after uh, after I graduated, and then I moved to Jakarta, and then I worked for like four and a half years got stuck with my current job and then I moved here. Oh. Did yeah. you did you have citizenship here from when you were younger? No. All right, so explain that to me because a lot of people that I talk to they find it really hard to be able to get um visas and things like that for the yeah. states. I'm still in student visa. Oh, yeah. Whoa. I'm in my um, final year of OPT right now. I mean, I don't know if this adds any value to this podcast, but you know, um I, it goes on tangents. Okay. We'll go where it goes. Cool. cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I like I have my visa sponsored by the by the company as well. Oh. Yeah. And then like did you have to also get a work visa? Yeah. I mean it's just like a work permit that you have to apply. Okay. Yeah. I mean it is very challenging. I mean like uh I entered the H one lottery thing twice and then I didn't get it for the past two years. But I'm I'm doing another round for this. Can you explain year. what that is? What the the lottery system? The lottery system? Yeah. Oh man, I should not be explaining this. But I mean, like, it's you know where the H one is a professional working visa mm. for they have like different pools for master degree, master's degree, and undergrad candidates. Mm. So I guess the master's degree have I think it's a higher chance of your master's okay. versus when you're just a undergrad. Okay. Um, but there's still so many people that. But they there's have to, yeah. Whoa. The thing is, I think like I I forgot how many, how much was the quota, but I think it's, like the applicants could probably be like three hundred thousand people, okay. and then the limit, the accepted um, petition is probably only like eighty thousand or something like that. Yeah. So like the chance is like. Pretty low. So then are you also like concurrently applying for a more permanent status? Yes. So, well, the thing is you can't jump from um, student uh, directly to like green card. You have to change your student status into either an H1 or an O1. Yeah. So that's where I'm uh, at right now. I'm actually trying to also apply an O1 visa and H1. So... 
It's so strange though it's, to think that like you're here working for the Times and like you oh, still yeah, have to go through all these hurdles to get citizenship. <laughs> I know there's. I feel like there's also not that many internationals um, working here. Mm. I feel like some people who uh, got into the job they they're probably like pretty much settled. They're either like green card or like a citizen. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna get into food eventually, but I'm actually <laughs> like. I had first noticed you because of food, and I'll get to that, but I'm, like, really curious about the job because I've yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. read some articles that you contributed to, um, and I'll get into some of those, but when you were in Bandung, were you uh, studying coding at that time? Oh, so, yeah, I mean, I came from a computer science background for okay. undergrad, um, and then after that, so I worked for like this tech company, you know, the one that made Internet Explorer. Oh, okay. <laughs> so uh, wow. Microsoft has like a very small office in Jakarta. It's in mm. the, what's it called? The Jakarta Stock Exchange Building. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so I worked there for four and a half years. Uh, I was doing like UX and UX stuff, like making design for like Windows 8 or Windows Phone back at the time. (laughs) It was like very ancient technology. (laughs) But then, um, and then I got kind of stuck and then I was thinking, you know, it was like, I was 25, I think back then. And then I was like having my quarter life crisis. And then I thought, okay, maybe um, like taking, doing like an, like a grad school would be nice. And then I start like researching like design schools because I kind of want to do design, even though I am, I'm from like a computer science background. Mm. Uh, so it brought me to Googling <laughs> what the best design school is. And then I always think that like, okay, I want to do my degree in US for no reason. I mean, it's just like, I don't really like the idea of like doing school in Europe for some reason. Mm. <laughs> so it's just always like US. And then like the first choice was like RISD, uh, Rhode Island Design School. But then I thought, okay, it's like too far from anywhere. So and then I applied for Parsons. Oh, because a lot of people from Indonesia go to like the Netherlands because yeah. of like, you know, business and economic relations between the countries. And um, I guess but, also like Australia. I mean, the thing is, I don't want to learn a new language as well. Maybe yeah. it's just me. I'm like lazy to, you know, like if you go to like Europe and then or like you have to learn French or yeah, I mean, Dutch well, or like other language or even like Japan, Korea. I just don't, I just want to learn on the job. Like mm. I don't want to learn new language, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're also now working at like one of the most prestigious journalism <laughs> companies in the entire world. So I think it paid off, huh? Yeah, well, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, and then, well, and then I took my grad school in 2014, um, went to Parsons, I got my degree. And then after, while doing my master's, I realized that I have this passion for like web Mm. development and design in general. Um, And then I was doing a lot of like data visualization uh, during grad school. And then uh, for some reason, like every time you look up like cool visualization or like infographs on the web, it's mostly from like the New York Times. And then that kind of like sparked 
interest in me and then I was like okay one day <laughs> like I just want to try to apply to this one company so after I graduated that was literally it like I this was the first company that I applied for that's amazing I know it was like huge luck I feel like like maybe that's why I didn't get my lottery <laughs> you know I like maybe. ran out of luck yeah but that was wow that was how so I was in Indonesia had like a horrible string of luck last year. Yeah. I was there for the series of earthquakes in Lombok. Mm. Um, I was actually really close to this. Um, I was in Jakarta when the tsunami happened. And then I was in Jakarta. The recent one? Um, not the not the one in December, the really bad one in Sulawesi. Oh, Dongala. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And then two days before I was flying Lion Air, the oh Lion God. Air flight went down. Yeah. Oh um, <laughs> we were That's pretty horrible. freaked out. I know. But you had um, you had done. I, I guess it's it's you contributed the coding to a really. It's almost like. It, artistic and like a, a like really beautiful expression of the story. It's a horrible story. Mm-hmm. Um but oh, the line air. Yeah, you you uh-huh. covered the the, the crash, mm-hmm. the reconstruction kind of from the cockpit visualization. Yeah. Yeah. And so the yeah. reader can follow along visually with the like 12 minutes between takeoff and when it crashed mm-hmm. and sort of see like a visual update and get like a, a text version of yeah. uh, what was happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have f- like free creative reign to do that? Were you particularly interested because Indonesia? Yeah. Well, so, I mean, that goes back to like what I do here. I, I'm basically part of the digital news design team. And then here we, what it means is basically as a graphics editor, uh, we take on like, bigger uh, projects, kind of like enterprise or like breaking news um, project. And then we do like a special, especially a design package. And so for the Lion Air piece, I was actually also volunteering because it's part of it is also because it's Indonesia, you know, right. you know, and then uh, I mean, I've helped on like a couple Indonesia projects before. For example, I helped translate for like the Dongala reporting that oh. we did back in, I forgot, one month. Um, and then some like video t- translation, like usually the documents came that came from the government is like Indonesian. They do have transla- translators, but... It's not perfect. I mean, it is perfect, oh, but okay. sometimes like for like, like the technical production, sometimes the video editor would have like a very specific question, okay. but like a particular keyframe. And then I would just jump in and like help like correcting subtitles and things like that. Hmm. Um, but yeah, for the Lion Air crash thing, um, I like the idea of it. I feel like like when we first, um, when I first jumped into the project, uh, I there's like this whole team that basically, like Mika, he's really good at like 3D um, modeling and stuff. So the assets are all there and then basically we just need to like tie them up together in like an interactive. Mm. So I did uh, 
I did help on like the design and the coding part on that so d- one. Did someone say to you like, "Hey, we want to cover this. Can you do it?" Or were you like, "Hey, that's something I want to be a part of." I guess it at some point it's also both okay. because like they have the uh the demand and then I'm like available. It was also like end of the year where I'm like, "Okay, I have like this is my last bandwidth for the year." And then I would just like jump in that project. Oh, whoa. Yeah. Have you ever seen the movie Hackers? No. It's like a, it's like kind of a cult classic. Um, but like when I think of like coders, like <laughs> from like TV and movies and stuff like that, there's always sort of like the cheesy kind of it, it looks like like DOS pops up. It's like a green screen, <laughs> and they're just like typing away like crazy, and I all know, this those code are is like coming. Fake. Up. Yeah, I was gonna say like it's completely. How real to life is that? Yeah. Uh. Uh-uh, uh. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it can be more stressful than that, but <laughs> I mean, it's fun. I guess what I like about it is not really the coding part, but more about like seeing what you code brought into life, you know? Yeah. Like, like the thing, I guess the key word is storytelling, interactive storytelling in general. You know, how when you see text, like 6,000 words of text without any like, distinctive way of like chapters chapterizing or like you know like visual breakdown of like photos videos and Mm. so on it would be like very boring to follow the story and it's also a little hard to kind of make make sense of what what's happening Mm -hmm. but like on interactives the goal is um kind of to elevate the narrative so the narrative is complemented by other aspects right. like the media usage like video audio we try to like emphasize the storytelling part to like engage their it's like immersive whatever you know <laughs> it's fascinating to me because like i mean essentially in a way like it's a language right it is and so for for like the lion um article mm-hmm. You had that like visual, like you could visualize that in your head before it was actually a finished product. And then you're like, okay, now I have to figure out the coding for it. Or do you like storyboard it? So yeah, the thing is, uh, I guess like the way we design things, it's almost similar to like product design, except that like designing for like something digital, you just need a lot of mock-ups. Mm. Um, so we start, we usually start with like a mock-up and then from there, we kind of have like a visual picture in our head of like how things will go. And then we tie it to like the data source. For example, like um, the we have like a whole spreadsheet about like the altitude chart, mm-hmm. you know, and then like the time and everything. So basically tying it up all together um, and then think about like the interactivity, like what happens when you scroll, like the altitude changes, the time changes and things like that. Yeah, and then like the implementation is like the least. Um, I mean, it is the hard part, but huh. you know, like that's the thing that we worry the least usually. Okay, well, because you're skilled in it, I guess. Like you know. Well, also there's a lot of like very very talented other uh, graphics editor okay. in the building, so it feels like if I'm not if I don't know how to make it, there's always a lot of people that I can ask. To get that black box information, had that been made public or do you sort of like petition to the Indonesian government and say like, we're going to do this story, can we have this these documents? Uh, so, I mean, I guess, I mean, that's definitely not my job. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, we do have like a reporter 
um, that's like that's like responsible for like gathering us the, yeah. da- the data source yeah i okay. honestly don't know how it works okay <laughs> like usually things come to me as in forms of like assets like i already have like the spreadsheet and the data source and everything oh, okay yeah do you have any sort of like um like dream topics or dream jobs that like you're like man i've got this idea for how to like really make something cool yeah. and it's 2019 and i'd love to get it done at some point this year uh, I mean, I don't, not really related to like time wise, you know, it's more of, to me, it's more like interest, like what I'm interested in, like the kind of projects that I'm interested in are usually like the fun projects, mm. uh, something that, um, like for example, I did a piece on like Royal Wedding, oh, okay. uh, I'll show you later, but <laughs> And then there's a piece also about like, um, I mean, I rarely do like politics stuff. Mm-hmm. I did like a midterm Q and A's, but that's about it. Did you do that, that, um, like 2018 game? Yes. Was that you? Yeah. Oh wait, you knew that as well? <laughs> hey man, you yeah. know, I got to do my research for this. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was, that was actually a collaboration with, uh, Tracy and Blackie, like, Tracy's a visual editor at the styles. And so that project belongs to the style desk, okay. which was because the idea was like the year of dissonance. Yeah. You know, like basically not really comparing, but like presenting the audience with like to a set of like two very different news. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but we gam- gamify it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like a year in review with, all the horrifying and shocking things and like you said sort of the dichotomy of the good things ish yeah I guess that's why I mean in the end to me two and a half years here does not really feel like a long time at all like I've I've worked on like several desks. Uh, like my dream desk was like the food desk. Yeah. <laughs> we can get to that. But like I, I've worked with Sam Sifton, the editor. I mean, I, I really like working with them. Um, I've worked with like the culture desk, like the gender desk. They're all like really, um, they have like really great projects. So. Yeah, I was going to ask you like sort of um, where you go from here. Like do you do you become a lifer at the times like some of those Pulitzer <laughs> winners we saw before or you know, do you do you go on to like make apps and things like that? No, no. So uh, the newsroom is completely separate from like the business side. Like the times there's basically like the newsroom which is the core and then there's the business side, which handles like marketing and apps and so on. Well, no, I mean like for you personally, like let's oh. say, you know, you're still young. Like, do you, do you say I don't want to make apps. Okay. I, I don't think I'm good at it. So do you think you'll end up staying I think here? I'll stay in like the web realm okay. and like interactive storytelling is probably the keyword for it. Or like, I don't like, honestly, I don't have journalism background, mm-hmm. right? So... Like coming here without no knowledge whatsoever on like how the newsroom works is also, it was actually pretty nerve wracking at first, you know, like joining one of the biggest media publishing companies in the world, right? And then I spent like the first couple of months or even like the first year just like 
observing mm. how this entire thing works. I don't know what copy editor means. Yeah. I don't know what editor means. I don't know what... There's so many things that... Like, everyone's title just seems to be an editor. Like, even I don't know what job I applied <laughs> for. I'm not kidding. I'm like, when I first applied, I was just looking at the description, I, and I'm not even sure what it means. Wow. Yeah, so to me, like, coming blindly... Even like, you know, on the orientation day, like I met with some people and then they were like, oh, where are you from? Huffington Post. Where are you from? And then Washington Post. And then I'm like, where are you from? I'm like, fresh out of grad school. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's, it's, I don't know, like not, it feels pretty nerve wracking. Oh, sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, honestly though, like, uh, I'm like really thoroughly impressed. I get to sit down with such a diverse range of people. Like in terms of uh, you know nationality, skill set, occupation, mm-hmm. it's it's quite hard to try to speak intelligently on things like coding because like <laughs> this spectrum of of interests that I've had on here, this is, we're almost at episode one hundred. Uh, wow, it's quite vast. Um, it's very but broad. I I draw a lot of inspiration from everyone who's like uh, creative minds and 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 people who are hardworking and have sort of made things happen for themselves because I think a lot of people are sort of in 2019 now like really disillusioned (laughs) with uh, where adulthood has taken them. Yeah. Um, And so like, yeah, like honestly, like uh, we were walking through the Pulitzer Hall and I know a lot of those stories are, sometimes they were stories that were, uh, would put the journalists like almost in peril. Like they were, Mm -hmm. you know, exposing the Weinstein stuff. Like he's like a pretty powerful person. Like so those... Um, that's where the story itself would be important. But I also think like a lot of it, you could also see people would win an award for something that like was visually stunning. Yeah. And, and honestly, like the, the Lion Air article is like, and I'll link to that in the show notes for this. It's really innovative. Like it, thank you. It's weird to call it like, like I was saying before, like a beautiful thing, but it's, it's artistic in a sense. And it's, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Now that I know about you, I'm excited to, to follow more of that. It's, it's cool. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's that's what I'm also excited about this place. I mm. feel like I can be thrown any kinds of project and then you have the total uh, freedom, creativity to just do whatever you want and like mm. how you interpret it, um, you know, and to bring it to life. I feel like that's what's really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so like it's a, it's a good place to work then. Yeah, it's a really okay. good place to work. And also, I mean, what makes it really great is also the coworkers. Yeah, <laughs> like, like people who work here are people who created the JavaScript libraries or things like that. You know, like technically, you always know that there's a safety net. Mm. If you don't know things, you can always ask them. Oh, that's cool. It's just like it's a invaluable resource. Yeah. <laughs> so, I had you know I possibly under the influence of something like went down like an internet rabbit hole one day, which, you know, like you, you <laughs> click on what, so let's say Instagram, you click on one to one to one to one, and like you end up somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so I know some people that, you know, either, you know, them personally, or maybe you just know them through like social media. Um, but, uh, Nigel mm-hmm. who owns and runs Moonman, and also has his own design firm and does like a million things like super impressive. <laughs> Um, do you know Greg and Jumi? 
their food, food and footprints. Uh, oh, I mean, we. I think we both follow each other on Instagram. Yeah, okay. But I have not uh, meet them in person. Okay. Um, we were mentioning a little before we started recording, but how do you know uh, Nigel? Um, I think I met him on like a Indonesian food bazaar in Queens. Oh, okay. I've heard about yeah. that. Yeah. Either that or like some other food activity, food related activity. Because, you know, like the community is pretty small. It seems like yeah. everyone know each other. I mean, I guess it's not that small, but, you know, like if you hang out and then if you go to a bazaar, you, you stand while like eating bakso and, yeah. <laughs> and then you just like introduce yourself to each other. Um, so I guess that's how we met. Do you know Dewi? She does Warung Salasa. Yeah, the Indo-Java owner, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I came there a lot, but I don't think okay. she knows me. Like, I, I never be like, hey, I'm Umi, <laughs> you know? Right, yeah. okay. I'm there as a customer, but I love her. Um, I love what she's doing. I'm really interested sort of in like, um, so New York is such a cool place because... It's so diverse. Like you it's can, so diverse, yeah. There's certain parts of Brooklyn where you can walk down the street and eat from like anywhere in the world, and mm-hmm. it's like authentic and good because it's like uh, yes. you know people who immigrated from the source. Um, I had someone that I actually met at Dewey's place named Andre on the podcast. At this oh. point, it was a while ago. Wait, you know Andre too? Uh, uh, Supernito. I think yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. The, was he? He's, yeah, he's like got a color hair. Um, he's got like a. A nice haircut. Um, okay. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember if he had like any highlights or anything. Is he like with earrings? Mm. Okay, maybe different Andre. Dressed pretty proper. Like looks well put together. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, I know he does work with, um, you know, like food banks and like he took me to the Indonesian consulate. Um, oh. But I was really interested to talk to him because he also had uh, immigrated here mm-hmm. and. I'm really interested in sort of like how people sort of link up with communities. Yeah. So, so like once here in New York, was there a resource or something or do you just like go online and look at like, like you know, Indonesian eateries? Like how do you discover like the close-knit like right. Indonesian community here in New York? I guess like to me specifically, I never really searched for it. Like meaning that I never go online and like type up Indonesian food community or something like mm. that. I think it all comes pretty naturally over the course of years. Okay. Like I remember my first two years here, like grad school was so time consuming and like, like yeah. I sold my, I sold my soul for that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, like my first two years, I don't really have any Indonesian friends. And yeah. then after I graduated, I, you know, I started like meeting I have more time for myself, I guess. And then I start like exploring food and stuff. Um, but yeah, I think like to me personally, it's always like word of mouth. Like he's a friend of friend and then we meet up for like food. Like food is usually the yeah. common denominator. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like the the only variable out there. Where do you go if you want like a taste of home, like something that's as close to what's <laughs> like what you would have. Well, honestly, the food bazaar is really not that bad. Like it's okay. it's actually pretty solid. Like I I the, are you talking about the night market or no 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 the no. one that happens like very infrequently. The one that happens uh, once a month. Yeah. Okay. The one in either um, a church yeah, or a mosque. Okay. Have you been to the mosque one? No. 
Okay, they have one that's on the mosque, but usually it's outdoors, so it tends to be like around summer. Okay, I've seen like people blog about it. Yeah, but the the one in the church is safer because it's like indoor, mm. you know. So that's that's the spot for some legit Indonesian food. That and I I really like Sky Cafe as well. <laughs> okay, maybe I've been there. That's in Manhattan. No, it's in Queens. It's oh. it's, it's in Elmhurst. Oh, that Nigel talks about it. Yeah. Yeah, I've never been. Okay, Elmhurst yeah, is like Elmhurst the is, spot. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's where you can find all Indonesians there. I get, um, so this was the longest that I, I've traveled in one time. I guess technically I'm like still traveling because I'm sort Are of like a, break a vagrant at this point. <laughs> right? Like I've, I've nowhere to live. Um, but you know, I was away for almost six months. And previously when I was in education, like I would, I would go for one month in the summer cause I only got one month mm-hmm. and I would come home and I would get post travel depression. Oh, I got wow. it like so bad this month. I'm thinking I'll talk about it eventually, but like, uh, so bad for after being away for six months. And, but one of the things is like you get acclimated to, to tastes even like the sort of like, like your microbiome changes, like you're, and like it's, it, because I always go through like a, like my stomach has to adjust sometimes to like, you know, different places. Um, yeah. And, but like by the time I'm adjusted and like, I'm so used to it, you know, I'm eating cheaply, but like spicy food and like amazing food. Can and you I, handle it? I, I can handle, so, Okay. I can handle, and I like the heat, but especially in like the Jakarta heat when I'm eating that stuff, like I just sweat profusely mm-hmm. and then I get embarrassed, but like, like biologically, like I'm okay. Like it's <laughs> not, I can handle the heat. I know. But if only Jakarta has winter, right? That would be amazing. <laughs> but, I think that would solve like 80% of the problem the country has. <laughs> oh man, they got to Yeah, I mean... <laughs> uh, Overpopulation's a bit of a problem in Jakarta. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like coming home, it's like, oh man, like I, how am I supposed to eat like Frank's hot sauce now, you know, instead of like sambal? So like as somebody who, you know... That's so interesting. As someone who's from Indonesia moving here, are there things that you miss that like just haven't been able to be replicated that you want? Oh, that's a really good question. Have you had um, bubur ayam? Oh, hell yeah, I've had bubur ayam <laughs> for breakfast. Okay, I'm telling you, there's no good bubur ayam yet here. Yeah. I mean, like, they have it in Sky Cafe or, like, some other oh, really? places. But it just doesn't feel as great as, you know, like, the cart. The, yeah. Yeah, the one that they push cart and then they roam With around. the krupuk on top yeah, and everything. Oh yeah, oh, my God. The, the, and here's, like, nothing compared to, like, there. And it's literally probably, like, a dollar. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so... It, oh, oh that's God. a good one. That's like, one thing that I really, really miss. You can, you can f- find... Sorry. No, I, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> you can find, like, chicken noodle, like, me, I am. Mm. There's one that's pretty decent here, too. Uh, but yeah, bubur ayam. I still haven't find one that's like really, that's really good. good. Point. There's a lot of places you could get congee, but it's not the same thing. It's not the same. Yeah, they don't come with like gazillion toppings on top. You know, yeah. like you want that, like shredded chicken, like the krupu, yeah. the sambal. Oh man. The, the, even like there's like mystery things that I they like shake on it. Like, <laughs> <honestly>. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> 
You know what though? Like uh, another thing is Mendoan. Because oh, tempe Mendoan? You can't get tempe here that's like that thin. Like, oh, well, Daily Store has it. Really? Yeah, like Indojafa has it shipped. I think like every Saturday they ship it fresh from Philadelphia. No way. Yeah, no, no. It's called like uh, tempe blitar or something. But I think they they produce it here. So it actually does feel and taste like the tempe oh. you would buy in Jakarta for like 50 cents. Except that it's here like four dollars. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep riffing for a little bit because I have no one to talk to about this stuff anymore. <laughs> uh, tempe orek, is that am I saying that oh, right? Tempe orek. They have tempe orek, a really good one in the food bazaar. Oh it's, man! It's provided by Pachel Ndeso. Nigel should also know this. Oh, they're from they're just a New York based. Uh, they're actually based in Philadelphia. Like most like great Indonesian food. In New York, they came from Philly. I didn't know that. I feel like, yeah. So in Philly, they have like a lot of, I don't know if you've been to like Cafe Pandawa in Philadelphia. No. Yeah, I think they also supply some of the things that say they send to Indojava. I Whoa, think. okay. Yeah, yeah, I gotta check that out. Except that they're much cheaper than New York. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess for people that don't know, like Mendoan is a really thin tempeh that's like <sighs> deep fried. Yeah, it's, it's like a, half fried almost, you know? Yeah, it's like... Um, like it's not until it's crispy and golden brown. You're right, it's a little it's like mushy. pale yeah. and like limpy, mm-hmm. but it's so good. <laughs> Have you... Oh, and um, what was I going to describe? Tempeh orak is like... Oh, yeah. Soy, it's like, like tempeh stir-fried, stir-fried and soy sauce? Mm-hmm. Hoisin, yeah, maybe? with some chili, I think. Yeah. It's really good with like hot bowl of rice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Um... Have you ever been to Warung MJS in Jakarta? Warung MJS. Um, wait, no. Is that a... Oh, man. They have what like, is it? They've got the best Mendoan. Like, it's almost like, <laughs> it's almost like Padang style. Like, you go in and uh, instead of having it all on your table, you just like point at everything like, I want that, 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 and then they bring it to okay. you. Okay. Is it like Wartak style? You know, Wartak, like Warung Tegal. But basically the idea is you choose amongst like... A million yes, foods. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah, they've but got every protein, great. every veggie. Like, yes. yeah. And it would cost you like a dollar yeah. or two. Yeah. <laughs> two is max. That's it. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, my God. I miss I miss home. Yeah, I, you know, th- I get the same questions over and over, but like a lot of people say, oh, what's your favorite place? And that's really hard to, to say, but Indonesia has... It really has like everything. It's got, you know, it's major metropolis cities. It's got like really remote rural areas, amazing beaches, mm-hmm. mountains, and like, yeah, like the some of the best food in the world. Like. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I'm probably I'm very biased, but mm. I agree. It does have everything. Can, if, let's say uh, you have friends or family back home who are, gonna come to New York for the first time uh-huh. um, and you are like oh I gotta give them the authentic New York experience <laughs> where would where would you be taking people to eat or would you be taking them to you know yeah well here's the thing like I actually like people who have been to New York at least like a couple times first mm. so that I can show them what the truly local 
New Yorker eats mm. as opposed to, you know, like when people come here for the first time and then all they want to eat is like halal guys, yeah. Shake Shack, um, dollar pizza, maybe or like, um, you know, like the very, very touristy spots. Katz's also, yeah, Katz's yeah. Delicatessen, um, the, um, what's it called? Uh, what's that pizza place? Wait, um, on Lower East Side? Uh, the original? Lombardi's. Oh, okay. Yeah, like people are like, yeah. those are like tourist baits. Uh-huh. <laughs> like I don't really go to those places. So that's why like sometimes I like I it see, when yeah. people have done all their touristy spots and then they come to me asking for like real local <laughs> recommendations that, and then I would take them to like my favorite spots. So where, where are those? Oh man, I, <laughs> it's really, it's really... It really depends on the cuisine as well. I feel like when I'm craving Thai food, for example, like I go to this kind of hole in the wall and um, Hell's Kitchen, Wondi Siam. Have you been there? No. Okay. I mean, Thai food generally, they're all mostly in Queens. Yeah. Right? So like Jackson Heights. Jackson Heights. Yeah. Like in Brooklyn, they also, they used to have Pok Pok, but then they closed. Yeah, <laughs> I loved Pok Pok. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like those spots, but like tourists would never travel all the way to like the boroughs and right. something that's like, why would they go here and then eat Thai food, you know? Yeah. Sometimes that's what they think, but really sometimes what the, what the immigrants make are even better. <laughs> yeah, that's actually really interesting because... I meet a lot of people on the road who are going to come to the States and they're like, yeah, we're going to, you know, we're here on 42nd Street right now. They're like, oh, we're going to go see Times Square and everything. And I'm like, hey, man, like, don't do it. Um, but then like, you know, like I was in Kuala Lumpur, I went to like the stupid like towers there. Like, <laughs> so like, I guess I get it. But that's a good point. Like once they've sort of gotten those things out of the way, it's like, all right, yeah. here's what like actual New Yorkers are doing. Yeah, exactly. I feel like you got to come here at least like more, more than a couple of times. Like mm. just do all the touristy stuff first, and then when you're done with it, come back again to truly experience what New York is. Have you explored much of, um, like, 8th Ave, Brooklyn's Chinatown? You know, uh, China like Sunset quotes, Park? It's all sorts of stuff, yeah. Uh, I mean, not often, but I have been, I think, only twice. Okay. Yeah, I got, like, the Vietnamese sandwich. Yeah, yeah. Ba Shuyen. Uh-huh. And then there's also, like, the, like that, um, what is it called? Like, the... Hunan, wait, no, the crossing bridge noodles or mm-hmm. something like that. I forgot the name, but yeah, no, I, I used to, I used to live like just below that in, in Bay Ridge. Oh, that's a great neighborhood. Yeah. So it was like, that's where I would walk to. There's like a, a, a Taiwanese fried chicken place. Oh yeah. Even Bensonhurst has some really yeah, exa- great. Yeah. Yeah. Like that area. 80, like if you take 86 below. down. Yes. Yeah. There's a great Malaysian place actually. Uh, yeah. So. That's the thing. I, I use my weekend sometimes to like explore um, places outside of the, like outside the city, Mm. basically. Like I love going to Flushing. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Another great spot. (laughs) Great, great spot. Like sometimes I even go to um, like Jersey. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Like New Uh, Jersey. What kind of stuff are you getting there? I mean, there's a lot of, like, great Indian food in, like, Jersey City. I didn't know that. Yeah, or sometimes I even take, like, supermarket trips and then go to, like, um, H-Mart and yeah, Field. Oh, like that's right. Mitsua. There's one in Jersey. Yeah, Mitsua and, like, Edgewater. 
Okay, she's my friend. Oh, okay. I'm like, <laughs> we're being recorded right now. <laughs> um, oh, wow. Okay. There's this cool place I discovered somewhat recently. Oh, man. Maybe it's like, it's around, it's downtown Brooklyn. Mm. And it is. What cuisine? It, it's vegetarian. It's a Hare Krishna temple. And they do like a buffet for lunch. And oh. you spend like 10 bucks and you get like this massive quantities of food. You you know you're on the number one podcast in the country right now. <laughs> I'm going to, okay. Um, <laughs> Sorry about that. No, no, that's cool. <laughs> but yeah, like that's, I mean, there's so many like little hidden gems. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, downtown Brooklyn. I've never lived in like downtown Brooklyn. Like I've only lived in like Williamsburg area. Mm. Um, but I still go like all the way there, even to like Red Hook. Yes, yeah, that's where I worked. Oh, um, well, yeah, and that's where Pak Pak was. Yeah, um, great. Actually, barbecue. Th- oh, hometown. There was another amazing Thai place. Actually, Ugly uh, Baby. Have you been? Yeah. Okay. Ugly Baby is like it's literally like really eating spicy. fire. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think it's actually the people that made Ugly Baby had a place on on Van Brunt in Red Hook called, I think it was called Chiang Mai. Oh. Um, oh, wait, is this new? I think I've heard about this. Was it Chiang Mai? I don't think I've been. I think it was before, I think they actually closed it and be, and then I think it's the same people that did Ugly Baby. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, see, there's so many great Thai. Yeah. I mean, not only Thai, also like Vietnamese, Japanese, Korean food. <laughs> Yeah, and that's what, like, is, again, is so cool about New York because, it, yeah, to, to say something is uniquely New York, like, what exactly does that mean? Yeah. Right? Like, I guess, like, a New York hot dog, right? But like, or, like, yeah, pizza. I mean, pizza is what's... Bagels. I feel like pizza is one of the most interesting aspects about New York because there's always this kind of, like, war between New York pizza versus, like, Chicago, but, uh, come on, like, no one really cares about deep dish. Yeah, it's more of a... <laughs> It's like cake. It's like uh, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like a. <laughs> but I do love going on a, like a pizza tour. I have like a lot of favorite pizza spots. Really? Yeah, I love pizza <laughs> and noodles. So, uh, do you have an interest in blogging, like in the food stuff, sort oh. of taking off? Well, I used to be a food blogger in Jakarta. Really? Yeah. So I. It was actually, I started like 2009. Okay. I remember, so like 2009, they had the first um, Jakarta uh, Culinary Festival. Is that put on by like William Wongso? Do you know him? No. Yeah, I I know him. Yeah. But I I don't know who held it back at the time. I forgot. It was probably like the Ismaya group or something. Okay. But then from that one event, I got introduced to like a couple bloggers like Anak Jajan, Eat and treats, yeah. Hans, and yeah, like a lot of um, like Jen's corner and stuff like that. So like we from there, I don't know how it really took off. Actually, it just feels like once your email is on the hands of like the marketer from mm. like restaurants, they just start they keep sending you emails of like food tasting invitations. Uh, so I spent my that's first a cool perk. 
2009. Uh, yeah, I was actively blogging until like. Yeah, we're on a lot of Insta stories. Here's another friend. 2012. Oh my god, this is a bad spot. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. <laughs> From like 2000 and until 2012 or 2013, mm. I was like pretty actively <clears throat> blogging about food. And then I have I this one video about omurice that went viral with like 10 million views. <laughs> Is it still on YouTube? It's still on YouTube. Oh, whoa. Like if you search omurice, it's probably like uh, like amongst the top list. <laughs> what, like what was it about it? That- it's really a video about this guy in Kyoto, Japan. I used to like travel to Japan in 2011 and then... A year later, my friend was asking, hey, can I see that video that you talk about, about this like omu rice, which is basically an omelet rice. It's like, you know, that omelet and then you cut open the omelet and then it's just like Uh mind blowing. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I uploaded that video only because my friend had wanted to see it. And then I didn't realize that a couple of years later it started being viral for some reason. And then <laughs> I got approached by this viral agency that, really? uh, yeah, he was um, he was actually like, hey, do you want to like basically trust us to become your agency to manage this one video? So it was, it was like weird. a 3070 deal where they would get like the 30% and then it's basically from like ad license like mm-hmm. licensing revenue and like ad whatever I'm like I don't know anything about this world I was just like yeah, yeah sure so really? you yeah. took it yeah so just that one video but that's it like I'm not doing any like vlog or like video blogging I'm too lazy for that okay wow that's crazy I actually like huh? that's how I found out about Dewi because she went viral in Indonesia. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, but the you know, video, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I have friends over there that were like, man, have you ever been to this place in Queens? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went and then like, now I know her. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> yeah. The power of social media. So are you just sort of doing that stuff like for fun now? Uh, well, now I'm not blogging anymore well the you know like the uh, instagram yeah yeah i mean i don't really consider instagram as like blogging because like when when you say blogging uh i think about like listing like prices Mm. like actually doing full review of like a place but on instagram is less pressure you know like i can post whatever i feel like posting and i usually i don't also, I don't do like commercial posts. Right. It's mostly just like the food I ate and like enjoy and just like share to my friends. Would you though, if it ever like went that route, if, if someone contacted you and was like, hey, we'd like to... Actually, no. Really? I mean, I, I kind of think of my Instagram as a like a hobby. Mm. Like a, it's, it's not even a side job. Right. You know, it really is. It's I don't want it ever to become like a source of income or like anything that's like generating money or like you know if someone wants me to like review products i probably won't okay do that. well it's a cool thing because like um it's even like like nigel does it too and, and nigel doesn't do food blogging mm-hmm. but he'll he'll talk about the places he's eating and it's yeah. like it's i mean he's a true foodie that's how yeah. i see it it's just like interesting so okay 
I've got a thought, but I'm going to hold on to it for a second. But um, it, yeah, it's cool because like, again, like, yeah, I grew up with like pretty traditional food in my home, you know, like <laughs> even like something like. Where did you grow up again? So I grew up here kind of. I, I was raised on Long Island. Oh. Um, but even something like as sort of like ubiquitously American now as like sushi, like would have been sort of like, <laughs> whoa, for me when I was young, right? Like, yeah. Um, like I would want like a chicken sandwich from Burger King or something, you know? Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> so someone like Nigel, like, especially because he makes food, I put like more trust into when he says the place is good and lists places. And uh-huh. like, that's how like I've been able to find a lot of like cool, like hole in the wall type places. Yeah. So like, yeah. So now that like, you know, I, I follow Greg, like I was saying, but like I follow you now and it's, it is a cool way to sort of like, you know, plug things into your weekend even like, oh wow, like yeah. that place is over there. And um, yeah, I mean, I like to go to new places here as well. Like most of them I also find through like Instagram. Like I yeah. follow, you know, like, do you know Food Baby? Yeah. It, that's like. The Mike l- Chow. Yes. Family. And it's like his kid with like a bagel. Yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've been following them since like forever, uh. I think. But it's just like what I really like about them and why, and what I think they're kind of like different from like other bloggers is that because he's very quick on like the new updates on like the new food scene in New oh, York. Okay. And he would be like, there's the opening here, like this place just open and then you should go while it's soft opening and blah, blah, blah. So it's like, it's actually really informational. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, so that makes me want to go too. It's incredible that like, I'm, you know, I'm sure he's really monetized that, right? Because, <laughs> but and it's just like his kid like smiling with food. I know. <laughs> They're like very cute. That was something I was going to ask. And again, I know I know you're not blogging, but um, so for someone like him or Nigel, uh, there's someone named Raina that I follow. She had she had been doing like One, oh, Hungry, One Jew, Hungry Jew. And now she does like, she exploded overnight. Yeah, she um, does podcasts too, yeah, I think, now right? It's, yeah, she's like transitioned into Girls Gotta Eat. Yeah. But I see all these people and I was looking at yours too and it's like, look at all this like incredibly delicious, but like, incredibly unhealthy food like <laughs> and and you're all like healthy functioning adults I'm like are you like does everybody eat everything that like they're posting like or do people well, go with, I do yeah. I mean I don't know about them but I I I do eat everything that I posted <laughs> okay <laughs> like I know some bloggers would probably like I went I've had like this meal uh with some blogger back in the past but like uh, he or she was the type that really needs good proper lighting, uh-huh. and then they would either bring like a like a like a separate lighting tool, you know, the yeah. one that's like the strobe. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah something <laughs> like that. Or they would take the food outside when it's cold here, uh. you know, and then that makes the food cold. And then I'm just like not into it. Like I, I. As much as I love good photos, I love food more, I feel like. So it just yeah. doesn't make sense to like bring food outside to take good photos because the lighting inside is bad. I'm, I'll draw an analogy to travel. Like <laughs> I talk about travel. Um, I follow a lot of people who are posting stuff about travel. But when you see like 
and, and you know, more power to them because some of these people have monetized it. They've created an amazing life for themselves. Yeah. But like two impossibly beautiful people, like in bathing suits, like at every like key location around the world. Yeah. And then you smack on like a very inspirational quote on every picture. It's just like, uh, it kind of makes me sick. Some of the, yeah. It's sad that they're doing it for like raking up likes on Instagram. Yeah. You know, but like, I, I think I love food more to not let the food get ruined because like, you know how some bloggers would take literally 20 minutes to take picture of one food and yeah. then what's really the joy in eating that? Yeah. You know, like I, I mean, if I go out with my friends, they would also, they understand my need to like take photos of the content, but I do it as fast as I could. So it'd probably take like less than one minute, like 30 seconds top of just like whatever random. If it comes out yeah. good, then I'll post it. If it doesn't come out good, I can just post it and like, I, I don't care. Like yeah. if the food good, it speaks for itself, right? Like you don't really need it to be staged and like yeah. decorated. One thing I really liked about Indonesia too is like how social eating is. Like, mm. you know. It's a communal experience. Yeah. And we're so like, I'm going to lose any tiny smidgen of coolness that I had, like <laughs> on my way over here, I ate it like, uh, like right here in Times Square, like the Whole Foods buffet. Oh, uh, no. because like Sad. it is, there's a <clears throat> reason. It's overpriced. It's incredibly overpriced. I can't defend it. Okay, I can't. Def- I, I'll, I'll try. I'm like again, like I'm sort of. It sounds weird to say homeless because I'm not like I'm not in poverty, but. I'm not living anywhere and it's hard to get like a lot of good nutrition <laughs> when you're like re- like relying on like the charity of people just cooking for you and stuff. So I was yeah. like, I'm going to go there and get like a bunch of vegetables at once. Um, but yeah, it's certainly. Also, it's way by the pounds at Whole Foods. So yeah, it's insane. You probably pay like $15 it's for insane. like potatoes, which is heavy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, never go to Whole Foods. <laughs> Um, I, I thought of one other thing and I'll wrap up soon because I know you, you stayed here late. Um, Soto Batawi. Oh man. Is, do you know of any place here in the city? Honestly, there's no good Soto Batawi here. I mean, Sky Cafe has it. I gotta check this place out. For like special menu. Yeah. Mm. It's making me hungry. Soto Batawi was like my absolute favorite. When did you go back here? I mean, like, when was the last time you went to Indonesia? Was it recent or? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I was there um, July, um, let's see, I think all of October. Um, So from, like, September 21st to, like, November 21st. Oh. So those, yeah, those those three months in, in total. Um, so, but w- like, why Indonesia? <laughs> <laughs> I have, um, I've got, so I had gone there, uh, at this point two years ago, you know, I saw Bali. Uh-huh. Um, and then I went to Jogja to see, uh, Borobudur mm. and I met someone there and like we became close and, mm-hmm. um, so I went back back this year and like we went to Lombok and the Gili's and oh, then nice. uh, where did we go 
Mataram. No, not Mataram. That's in Lombok. Um, oh, come on, Tim. Gili. Where's Bromo? In, oh, uh, Bromo. Uh, Surabaya? Uh, Malang. Oh, Malang. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, and when I was in Jakarta, the podcast was just like exploding there. Like <laughs> I, I was reaching out to people and, and even like I had people trying to like, get like the president's son. I had... I, I didn't get to do this one yet, but when I go back, um, the guy who like directed the raid and that movie, it comes oh. at night. Yeah. So yeah. like, and like I'm, I'm hanging out with like psycho G the rapper and like the <laughs> oh, and like, yeah. And like, they're That's so sick. Crazy. So like, they're all like, do you know Dakot? No. They were, um, Oh my God. What's with my brain? Wait, they, like they, you approached them or like they yeah. somehow I, heard I would, about this? I would just email people and like, <clears throat> for whatever reason, out of like every place I've been in the world, like yeah. everyone in was was saying yes in Indonesia. Even like you know, like Robin Girl. <laughs> oh yeah. Like I, I had just missed her because she came to the states. Um, uh-huh. Her her manager was like, yeah, like if she's back around or you're back. Oh, uh, she has manager. Oh yeah, like she. Uh, wow. Yeah. Even like uh, Yako and Psycho G, I, I I went through their yeah their manager. Who who was I think? Uh, Dakot yeah. was. Um, Ka, uh, Kam, uh, Muhammad Kamga was the was the band Kamga. Oh wait, uh, they were a pop band. Tanga, Tanga, that's yes. it. Yes. So oh my god, they were that Kamga. band, mm-hmm. and now they're Dakar. So yeah, it's like, oh, they changed name. Oh, I didn't know. <laughs> their story is that like they okay. were completely like manipulated by the label, kind of, and the label made all the money. They made nothing. Oh my god, the label controlled their image. Yeah, but wow. it just I was so I was like, how could I leave? So I just was making visa runs <laughs> to Singapore and coming back. I see. Yeah. Wow, that is so interesting. I mean, I I feel like also Indonesians, um, they tend to like, to really like talking. Yeah. Right? And they love social media. They love social media. They love socializing in general. Yeah. Online or offline. They love meeting people. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great community. <laughs> you know what's crazy? Um, I think people think that like Indonesia is uh, offic- officially Islamic, even though they're not. There's, yeah. There are many Muslim people. But I had <coughs> been in Malaysia, Indonesia, uh, Brunei, mm-hmm. and coming back to the States, I came to Hawaii. I laid over in Osaka, mm-hmm. and like I was approached by the airport staff, uh-huh. and they said that I had been like flagged by the Department of Homeland Security in the U.S., because I, they wouldn't tell me why, but I'm assuming like it has to be because I've been gone for a while and oh, it's like and then Trump's visited. America and I was in like, you know, Muslim, Muslim countries. Muslim countries? Yeah. So they asked me like all sorts of questions. That's bullshit. Yeah, it was, it was crazy because <laughs> I was like, let's say I had to like become radicalized. Am I going to tell you? Like, it was such a weird thing. No. Oh my um, God. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, been a, it's been a wild ride. It sounds amazing. Yeah. The journey. Um, so we're at like an hour. That's how quick it goes. Oh, really? So why yeah, don't we... it really we... doesn't feel like it's an no. hour. Yeah. Um, why don't we like plug your stuff, both uh, like the Instagram and then like how people can find the, the work you're doing here from the Times? Oh, um, I'm on Instagram as Umi Eats. <laughs> that pretty much describes <laughs> what I do. Um and then, yeah, well, I have a personal website where if you want to see, like, my portfolio of the work that oh, I do cool. at the Times, it's just, like, umisham.com. So, like, okay. U-M-I-S-Y-A-M dot com. 
and I'll link to that. You're active on Twitter. I'm not that active no. okay. anymore on Twitter. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I have an account, but okay. I'm on Twitter as Umay, U-M-A-Y. Okay. That's it. Cool. <laughs> well, people should check that out both for, uh, again, the work that you've done here at the Times, which is really fascinating, and then uh, cool pictures of food from New York to get <laughs> some inspiration for good places to eat. Yeah. Umi. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Cheers. This was great. Cheers. <laughs> All right, Voyagers, that's a wrap for episode number 99. Thank you to Umi for being my incredibly interesting guest on this episode. Thank you, Voyagers, to all of you out there in the universe for listening in, for sending me messages, for all the good stuff that you do. I appreciate all of you, so thank you. And, yep, that's about it for today. As always, folks, please take care of each other. Until next time.